Welcome to the You Love and You Learn podcast, the place to learn about all things love, relationships, relationship anxiety, and to deconstruct the one-size-fits-all narrative of what it means to be in a happy relationship. I'm your host, Sarah Yudkin, a relationship anxiety coach who's on a mission to discuss the nuances of love and relationships that I wish someone would have shared with me years ago. My goal with each episode is for you to leave with an expanded definition of love and relationships and with practices to carry with you in your life and relationships on a day-to-day basis. I'm so grateful to have you here. Hello, everybody. At the time of recording this podcast, it is the end of year, but by the time it goes live, it will be the beginning of the year. And one thing that I am going to set as an intention for myself in this new year is to continue evolving and changing the relationship that I have with comparison. Now, that is something that I know can be a challenge for many people. It's something that I've struggled with a lot, not just in relationships, but with my business or comparing when I used to work in the corporate world, comparing to other people that were of similar levels to me, comparing my appearance to friends growing up. This has been a pattern for me for a long time but it is something that I have managed to change over time, gradually, bit by bit. And in this episode, as you're listening to me talking about comparison, I invite you to just reflect on which pieces of this really click with you and which pieces of this you want to try to implement if comparison seems to affect you in a not-so-positive way, in a way that you aren't really very happy about and if you would like comparison to be something that shows up less and less. So the reason I wanted to do this episode was because I've gotten a lot of questions from the You Love and You Learn community over the years around comparison. So things like, how do I know if my relationship is not good enough, if I'm actually settling? It's really hard to tell because I compare myself to the perfect TikTok couples that I see the reels that I see of people doing all this fun stuff together, these people that seem so happy. And it makes us feel oftentimes, at least I can only speak for myself, but the people messaging me, I think can relate that it makes us feel like our relationship is worse. Or maybe you see relationship advice on social media that says, don't do this, don't do that. And you start comparing how this person is thinking about their relationship to yours and really just feeling confused and questioning, what should I be thinking? How should I be showing up in my relationship? So today we're going to do a deep dive into comparison, why comparison happens, who is most likely to compare, the types of comparisons that can come up, how to change our relationship with comparison, and then just some final reminders about comparison to carry with you as you are showing up this year. Why comparison happens? Let's start there. So it's interesting. As I was looking more into this, I learned more about something called social comparison theory. So I always kind of understood comparison at a base level, but this helped explain it in a more in-depth way. And this concept of social comparison was first created and developed by Leon Festinger in 1954, so a long time ago. And he hypothesized that we as individuals 
are unable to self-judge our own opinions and our own abilities accurately. And instead, we rely on comparing ourselves to other people to form an evaluation. And this makes a lot of sense, right? If we were alone on a desert island, if we had never come across another person before, we probably would not be making comparisons towards anything because we wouldn't know what to compare to. We wouldn't feel like we're better than somebody or worse than somebody. We wouldn't have had that interaction. Whereas when we are constantly interacting with people, we're able to figure out a little bit more about ourselves and evaluate ourselves. Now, this feels really normal, and it also is really stemming from wanting to better understand ourselves to see how we fit in or don't fit in to the world around us because fitting in is part of our DNA. Being social is part of humans' DNA. This is something that is by nature because the instinctual need to fit in and to be social goes back to a time where people were really bonded as tribes or as groups of people. And survival was related to how close you were into this tribe or if you were able to interact with this tribe of people. So belonging to a group of people that had resources or safety and companionship, that has always been something that humans needed not belonging could have been very dangerous. Now, fast forward many, many years to our modern times, and this is slightly less relevant for survival. Like we can survive technically without belonging, but it's still wired into us as a core need for humans. And having that socialization, having connection, is so important and without it there are downstream consequences and one study that came out last year i believe or earlier this year which was so interesting about this was the 85 year experiment that they've been doing at harvard and this is one of the longest in-depth studies on human life ever done like sequentially following people year after year after year for 85 years And the Harvard study of adult development found that our relationships are what lead to our health and our happiness and relationships must be nurtured. We need to have social fitness and have relationships, not just intimate ones, but with friends and family. And that is one of the biggest things that affects our longevity. And so all of this to say is that it makes a lot of sense why we compare. Comparison helps us measure who we are, whether we fit in or not, and fitting in is a key ingredient to having relationships with other people, and relationships with other people are a key ingredient to our overall fulfillment and well-being and health. So I just want to start off there because sometimes I think we forget that comparison is so normal, and sometimes we're like, oh, just never compare again, stop comparing, and I've probably even been guilty of saying stuff like that in the past, stop comparing but it's really hard to completely stop comparing. And what I'm gonna share more about in this episode is that instead of completely stopping comparing, we can change the relationship we have when we do compare. And when we notice comparison, we can have a different response to it. Now, another interesting thing that I found when I was doing some research for this episode is 
a list of who is most likely to engage in social comparison. Now, as I read this list, please do not feel any sort of guilt or shame for it because this list literally describes me to a T. But here was some research that was found. Individuals with the following traits were more likely to engage in social comparison. And this was a study done by Bunk and Gibbons in 2007. They are social psychologists. So people who have an increased public and private self-consciousness, people who have more empathy and sensitivity towards others, people who have an interest in how other people feel, people who have higher neuroticism, which essentially means more emotional reactivity or more vulnerability when it comes to stress, and then people with lower self-esteem. Now, those are the traits who are just more likely to engage in social comparison. And as someone who has compared a lot in my life, I gave examples of that earlier, like comparing how I looked to my friends or comparing what grades I got compared to other people, comparing myself to relationships, comparing myself to Nate. It's something that has been a pattern for a long time for me at a high level. And as I look at this list, I relate to pretty much all of these things. I do have self-consciousness about many things. I do have a deep empathy and sensitivity towards others. I have interest in how other people feel and not only just how they feel, but how they feel about me. I do have times where I am emotionally reactive or vulnerable to stress and my self-esteem has not always been the highest. I will be transparent about all of that. And yet what's really interesting to me is that just like over time I've changed my relationship with comparison and I've seen improvements there, I have also grown in many of these categories too. And I think that's really important to note that we can grow in categories of feeling less self-conscious over time. We can increase our ability to handle stress over time. Not that we necessarily want to um, put ourselves in more stressful situations over time, but we can change how we respond to stress. We can change our self-esteem. We can change the relationship we have with ourself. And so these things, just because you're more likely to compare if you have any of these qualities, it doesn't mean that these things are life sentences. It's just a starting point. It's a starting point to help you be more aware and to help you realize, oh, I can see why I compare in the first place and I can see why some of these things are contributing to my comparison. Next, I want to share a little bit more about the different types of comparison that Festinger found when he was studying social comparison theory. So he found that there were two main types of comparisons that were made, upward comparison and downward social comparisons. So the upward social comparison would be kind of looking up at people who you think are doing better than you are, um, following kind of like a celebrity and, and kind of comparing up to them or someone who you think has like relationship goals or someone that's like really high in your field of study, something like that. A relationship example of an upward social comparison would be, oh, wow, that couple makes it look so easy. They get along so well and they never seem to fight unlike we do. That would be kind of looking upward. Whereas a downward social comparison would be noticing people who you think you are doing better than. 
And an example of that with regards to relationships would be, oh, I see this other couple fighting a lot and that reminds me to feel grateful for my relationship because it could be worse. We don't fight that much. Now, again, remembering that part of comparison is just helping us decide where we fit into something. It's not necessarily always helpful to notice the upward or downward as like right or wrong or good or bad. It's more so as a metric to help us know where we are fitting in on a scale of what other people are doing. And this leads me to share that how we respond to comparisons can vary. So especially when it comes to an upward social comparison, there's different effects and different ways that we can respond when that shows up. So if you're looking up at someone that you think is doing better than you at something, let's say you think has a better relationship, one way that that can show up for you could be feeling shame or feeling inferior. Like, oh, I suck. My relationship sucks. Um, You know, they just seem so much better than I am. And understandably, for many people, that could bring up a lot of shame or inferiority. Now, on the other hand, an upward social comparison can also bring us motivation to improve. And that's, I think, a really important ingredient of this whole puzzle or the piece of the puzzle ingredient of the pie that I want to share with you today is how we can shift our response when we notice ourselves in comparison, especially upward comparison. I think a lot of you listening probably experience upward comparison a lot if you're here listening to this podcast and looking at other people's relationships and comparing. So that's the one I'm going to focus on. But a big thing in how we are going to react to an upward comparison, I believe, is the meaning that we are assigning to the comparison in the first place and the mindset that we have around it. So is the meaning that we are assigning helpful and inspiring to us? Or is it feeling unhelpful and demotivating? That's the first piece. The second piece is, is the meaning that we are assigning coming from more of a fixed mindset or coming more from a growth mindset? So let me give a few examples of that here. When we look upward at someone else and see that maybe their relationship is, quote, better, we can say something along the lines of like, I suck or we suck and our relationship is just not worth it anymore, whatever it is. This is not a very helpful meaning. It's pretty demotivating if you ask me. And it's coming from a fixed mindset, which says that like it's permanent, basically. Like I suck and we suck and the relationship sucks and there's essentially nothing we can do about it. Whereas what might feel more helpful or more inspiring and comes from more of a growth mindset, which says we can grow and improve, would be what can I learn from watching this other couple? So that's an example of what I'm talking about here. Another example of the way that we could respond differently to the meaning would be, this couple is better and we are worse. That doesn't really feel helpful. It doesn't feel inspiring. And it's coming from this fixed place, which is measuring the relationships as either better or worse versus more of a growth mindset. Something that might feel more inspiring or helpful is, wow, it seems like they've put in a lot of work and I admire that, and I want to practice that too. Finally, an example would be, 
oh, well, if this couple is better or if, you know, they have a better relationship, then that means I have to go find a better partner or a better relationship in order for that to be true for me. Versus a growth type mindset, a more inspiring mindset might be, how can I grow within the relationship that I have? Now, of course, there's nuance and context to this. Like if there's an incompatibility in the relationship, it doesn't always necessarily mean you just have to like keep trying to grow and grow and grow. But just knowing that sometimes when we are looking upward and making that upward social comparison, it's not necessarily saying that they were just more lucky. It could be that they have spent a lot of time nurturing and developing their relationship. And so that is to me one of the biggest things that I've learned over the last however many years that I've been trying to understand relationships better is that I get to change the meaning that I have when I get stuck in a comparison. And so as you're listening to that, I hope that you are able to see how the different ways that we respond can affect how we are feeling about it. So let's get into how to shift when you notice you're in an upward social comparison and use it as a chance to grow. Because as we just acknowledged, you can have a very unhelpful reaction to it, which doesn't feel very inspiring or motivating to you. And it's probably not going to help you feel like you're moving forward in your relationship or it's not going to inspire you to grow or change. But what does inspire me to grow or change either individually within myself or within the relationship I have with Nate is to use upward social comparison as a chance to focus on what's in my control. Because when I'm looking at someone else's relationship and I'm just like, oh man, that seems so good. And like, oh man, I'm so jealous. None of that's really in my control. I'm not really doing anything about it. I'm just kind of like noticing something and maybe even feeling bad about it. But what is in my control are the beliefs that I have about something or the actions I take about something. So let's say I gave this example a few weeks ago on social media, which was, let's say I'm comparing someone, me and Nate's relationship to someone else's. And I see someone else's relationship on social media. And I don't even know what this phrase means, but they just seem more sexually connected. They seem like they have more of a chemistry. They seem like they have more PDA. They're kind of like just making out on reels, whatever it is. That could be something that in the past maybe would make me feel less than or something's wrong with my relationship. But now the way that I respond differently is I put it back into what's in my control. And I ask myself, is that something that is important and meaningful to me? So I check in with my beliefs on that type of thing. What do I believe about PDA, chemistry, and all of that? Do I believe that that is the most important thing that I need to have? Do I believe that everyone has to have a certain level of that? I check in with myself and and I ask, is that what I want to be doing? Do I want to be making out and posting about it on social media? Is that something that feels authentic to me? Or am I just thinking that that's something that I should be doing in order to have a good relationship? And there's no right or wrong answer, but I get to check in with my own beliefs on that subject. And if the answer is no, I don't necessarily need to be doing that, then I can adjust the belief that I have that made me feel so guilty in the first place. But if the answer is yes, I would like more of that, that's okay too. And then I can move into the next piece of this, which is 
I can work on my actions. My actions are in my control, whereas just kind of looking at what another couple doing is not so much in my control. So if I decide I want more PDA or more chemistry with Nate, I can check in what are some small actions I can take to influence that. Maybe it's starting to rub Nate's shoulders more consistently when I walk by him, or maybe it's just rubbing his back when we're out together in public, or maybe it's just linking arms or shoulders when we walk together when normally we wouldn't do that. I think sometimes we're like waiting for all these things to happen to us, but we don't realize that we're also part of the dynamic that influences that. And all the while, just trusting that this stuff happens bit by bit over time. It's not necessarily something that's either there or not there. It's something that you can gradually shift bit by bit. So that is how I have in a big way changed my relationship with comparison as I use it as a cue to check in with myself, not necessarily label my relationship as bad or wrong, but to check in with myself and see, oh, is that something that I want to create more of in my relationship and knowing that I'm not the only one that's responsible for it, but I am responsible for part of it. So that's a little bit more on the upward social comparison. Now, one little nuance that I wanted to add, which is kind of a spinoff on the downward social comparison is something that the You Love and You Learn community brought to me as well a few weeks ago on social media which is this idea of seeing advice on social media that says, don't do this, don't do that, and comparing that advice to what happens in your own relationship and trying to make sure that you are avoiding any sort of bad or wrong things in your relationship. And I think this is something that doesn't get talked about often enough, which is that we're really just trying to kind of do the right thing and make sure, again, that we're fitting in, make sure that we are in the norm when it comes to our relationship. So the reason we're doing this, it's stemming from a good place. It's stemming from an honorable place. But I also think that sometimes we can take this a little bit far and almost look to other people to fully dictate what a good relationship is or not. And we're forgetting that all of our relationships are going to look different because they're made up of two unique people And no two people in the world are exactly the same. Even twins are not exactly the same most of the time, right? So knowing that when you combine two or more people in a relationship over time, there's going to be many differences and nuances than other two or more people that are in a relationship. And when we're on social media kind of looking for advice, we're forgetting that different relationships are going to have different strengths and different challenges. We are going to have different strengths and challenges from our partner and together in a relationship, we're going to have different strengths or challenges than somebody else's will. And so the way that I respond to this, when I start seeing other people giving advice of what to do or what not to do in a relationship is I have to pause and stop and ask myself, does this advice feel helpful for me? Does this advice feel helpful for me? And More often times than not, the answer is no, because the advice is making me feel anxious. It's making me feel like I have to show up in this exact way. If the advice does feel helpful for me, then that's great. I can decide how I want to implement it, kind of using what I just shared, which is like, do I want to change a belief that I have on something or do I want to change the actions that are showing up in my relationship? 
and using a growth mindset to approach that, which is like, how can I grow in this category? Not like, how am I doomed because our relationship doesn't look like this now, but how can I use this information as a chance to grow? But a lot of times the relationship doesn't feel, or the relationship advice does not feel helpful. And that's because a lot of times the advice I'm seeing is saying, this is exactly how you have to do. And it's saying, if you don't listen to this, you're going to have a bad relationship. And it's very rigid. The advice that feels most helpful to me, and maybe you can decide what feels most helpful to you, but for me, the advice that feels the most helpful is when it's giving people information and trusting them to decide for themselves what works or doesn't. It's advice or information that feels encouraging and feels like, oh yeah, here's what's worked for me and maybe it will work for you too. It's not necessarily do this or do that. And the information or insights that feel helpful to me are very flexible. They don't assume that everyone will interpret them in the exact same way, and they're open to nuance and realizing that people don't always feel the same way about certain things. And so while it's taken me some time to get there, that is the new way that I show up and approach relationship advice on social media. And it's not perfectly. Sometimes I still get sucked in to advice, but usually in hindsight, I can always pause and look back and say, The reason that I got so riled up about that is because it doesn't actually sit well with me. And so I usually can take some space after and regroup and remember that no two relationships are the same and that I'm the one that gets to decide how my relationship looks and I put the power back in my own hands. All right, let's end with a few reminders about comparisons that I think are just helpful to keep in mind as we're starting a new year. And the first one is that, as I've shared a bit more already in this episode, you absolutely get to decide if you wanna change your relationship with comparison. It's not set in stone. Just because we are hardwired to compare does not mean that we always have to interpret the comparisons in the same way. And as I gave examples of, the meaning that we assign to a comparison is absolutely something that we can shift. So we can shift from feeling more like a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. We can shift from feeling like a meaning is unhelpful to a more helpful meaning of something. And so I'm hoping that some of what I've shared in this episode gives you inspiration that when you do compare, you don't have to interpret the comparison in the same way that you always have before. You get to decide and you get to choose how you want to respond when comparison does show up. Another reminder that I think is so important is that when it comes to comparison on social media especially, it's almost like social media is an advertisement or a movie preview. It's one little glimpse for someone's life and you see one little storyline, but you don't see the full depths of what's going on. And you really just never know the full story. And that's okay. It's okay that we don't see the full story on social media. But when we assume that we're seeing the full story based on the little glimpse, that's where I think we create problems. Now, I have three different examples of this that pop up. There's many, many more, but three different examples that I can share that really drive this point home. There was a Beyond the Doubts group coaching member a few cohorts back 
and she had a best friend. I think this best friend was over like seven or eight years. And this best friend was married. This best friend had been with their partner for a long time. Maybe the partner or maybe the best friend had been with their partner for eight years. Doesn't matter. Long story short, this best friend and her best friend were talking one time and this person that was in the group coaching opened up and shared that she was getting support with relationship anxiety and she was getting coaching support and that she had been having some doubts about the relationship. And it was the first time she was really vulnerable about this with her best friend. And her best friend said, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. I thought the exact same way and I felt this way before getting married and We've had our own journey in couples counseling, and I'm so glad you shared this with me. I never wanted to share it with you or anyone else because I was too scared or too embarrassed about it. And so this person who had been in a very long, healthy relationship, her best friend from the outside had no idea about any of this because it's not something we talk about often. So the relationship was perceived to be one way, but then behind the scenes, there were some inevitable doubts or questions. And that story has happened time and time again. So many people in my client um, community, whether it's group coaching or individual coaching, have had experiences where they feel like they have looked really, really happy on the outside, but then they know inside that they're having doubts or questions. And so just remember, I'm not saying that everyone in the world has relationship anxiety, but just knowing that a lot of times we get one small peek into what people's relationships are like. Um, Only recently has it become even somewhat okay to talk about going to couples therapy. That used to be something people hid all the time too. So that's one example. Another example, I was recently at a holiday party and was catching up with a mutual friend and she was sharing that she had recently posted these like beautiful professional pictures of her and her family and one of her friends reached out saying, wow, your family's so perfect and like these pictures are so gorgeous. But behind the scenes on the day taking photos, her and her husband had gotten into a little disagreement and their toddler was running around and there was like some stress at the photo shoot like the pictures came out great but there was a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes and so we see again like the picture perfect moment but we don't see some of the stuff that happened behind the scenes and i'm not saying their relationship like there's nothing wrong with that their relationship is great and they have a beautiful family and the social media glimpse that someone might see and compare to is missing so much context And the last example of this is very personal to me, which is that I have You Love and You Learn and I have that social media account and I share pretty openly as best as possible with a lot of what's going on in my own life and relationship. Even some of that I can't be 100% transparent with because everyone has their right to privacy, right? Like we don't share every single nitty gritty thing that's going on. And all of that said, in addition to my You Love and You Learn page, I have a personal Instagram page, and that is my highlight reel page. It's my travels. It's my pictures of me and Nate. It's my best friends and I having the best time. And I'm not on that personal account posting the anxiety or the questions that I'm having. I literally created a separate account for that because I wanted to be as open and transparent as possible with people in a whole separate way, but I didn't want to take away my fun little highlight reel page 
on my social media because there's been so many great travel pictures, so many great pictures along the way. And I don't feel like everyone needs to always hear about the anxiety, right? So even for me, I have separated in some ways my you love and you learn page that opens up so much about relationship anxiety with my personal page. And as someone who's behind the scenes of that, I think it's totally understandable, right? Like I'm not encouraging all of you to suddenly just start posting all of the hard moments that you have in your relationship or challenges that you have at work on your Instagram page or hardships that you're going through with family dynamics or sickness or anything like that. We don't all have to be so open and honest about that on social media. Some things are meant to be kept private. And just knowing that no human is unique. We all have challenges. We all have things that are hard. We all have ups and downs. And so just remembering that the piece is not to like hope that people are having these hard times behind the scenes so that you feel less alone. It's just knowing that inevitably humans are not showing the full story on their social media page. And I feel like we've all heard that before, but I think it helps to give like specific examples because you've probably had your own examples of knowing that maybe there was a highlight reel that you shared, but knowing the behind the scenes, but you somehow think that not everyone else is doing the same thing too. Another reminder here is that if comparison is a consistent challenge for you, I invite you to reflect on the ways that you are participating in comparison, whether it's on social media or in person, and deciding how you might want to shift that relationship. So for example, if social media is just such a big area of comparison for you, of course you can work on everything we just talked about in the podcast, but also it can help to like be intentional about how often you're on it, how much space you're able to take from social media. Maybe you know, weekends are a social media free space, or maybe one day a week for 24 hours, you just practice logging off. Or maybe you set an intention that when I log on, I'm going to remember that I don't know the full story here. Whatever it is, if you constantly notice that social media creates this negative experience for you, it's an invitation to change your relationship with it. I'm not saying that we have to all get rid of social media. I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon, but I know that after I get sucked into like a two-hour scrolling rabbit hole, I don't feel my best. And so it's up to me to set some guidelines around that. Secondly, when it comes to in-person comparisons, for example, like I've had a lot of past clients and I've done this before too, you're at a wedding or you're at a get-together with friends and you're kind of like in your head analyzing, is my relationship good enough compared to this couple or compared to these people that I'm around? And being around a group of people, yes, is a really big time to notice comparisons, but it's also a really good time to practice getting back to the present moment as best as possible. Because when you are in your head comparing your relationship, you're not fully present to what's happening in that experience. So at weddings, some advice that I've given clients before is shift your focus of like, instead of being like, well, is this couple happier than we are? Shift your focus back to, I'm happy for this couple in this moment. If you're talking with another group of people and people are asking you questions about your relationship and then you're in your head like, oh my gosh, like what are they thinking about it? You're not fully in that conversation. Take a few deep breaths, get back into the moment, get back into what's going on in front of you and trust that by always getting present, you're going to reduce a lot of these what ifs and comparisons that are going on in your head because the what ifs and comparisons are kind of thinking about, 
potential consequences or like, does this mean this? Does this mean that in a future based scenario? If my relationship is bad, then that means we can't be together. Then that means this. We, we get really swept up in the comparison and then what it might mean for the future. And coming back to the present moment is a big factor here. And then deciding how do I want to respond to this comparison, focusing back on what's in your control. And I'll end this episode by saying that comparison really does give us an opportunity to reflect on what we value, what's meaningful to us. And it's an invitation to build more self-awareness and self-trust about how you operate. Because when you compare, it's an opportunity to say, oh, this thing is actually important to me. I do want to try to create more of that. Or "Mm, this thing isn't that important to me. I can change my beliefs on that. Or really just to understand like why something might make you feel envious or why you might admire something in another person and get to then begin cultivating more of that for yourself. And so even though comparison can be frustrating and challenging sometimes, just knowing that it does give a lot of cool opportunity for you to grow as an individual. So with that said, Thank you so much for listening, and I know that from my own experience, shifting your relationship to comparison can take some time, but as I said in the beginning of this episode, it's something that I want to continue being mindful of this year, not only in my relationship, but in my business. As I show up online, you know, there's hundreds, if not thousands of people that are showing up online and talking about relationships and I can tend to get sucked into thinking, oh, well, that person's more articulate than me, or am I doing this right or they're right? And really, it's an invitation sometimes to stay in my own lane and focus on how I'm showing up each and every time. So I'm writing this with you. It's an intention I'm going to be carrying with me in 2024, and I invite you to do the same if it feels good for you. So thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Love and You Learn podcast. If you've been enjoying the podcast, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could rate and review the podcast because the more ratings and reviews there are, the more people that can hear this message. And it's really important to me to get this message out to the world and to create a space where people can learn about love and relationships in a way that is not judgmental, in a way that helps them expand their perspective from the cultural narratives that we've heard and seen in the movies and in Hollywood and the media. And the more ratings and reviews that are there, the more people that can hear this message. So thank you again so much. It really means the world to me that you are listening and see you in the next episode.